right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm your host with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. We are here with you as the Celtics find themselves in a 3-2 hole in the NBA Finals with Game 6 on the line coming up tomorrow in the TD Garden on Thursday. Lucas, how are we feeling today? How are you doing, my friend? It's been a it's been a hot minute for us. How are you doing today? You know, Pat, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know, I could be doing better. The Celtics maybe were up the ones up three two. Maybe I'll be doing a little bit better. Um, but, you know, we're still blessed to see finals basketball being played, Pat. And uh, Celtics have a long road to come back from, man. So I'm glad to be here talking with you again and uh, gonna break it down, man. What do you think is gonna happen here in Game Six? We'll find out and we'll kind of recover and recap what went went wrong in game four and game five. And spoiler alert, turnovers are involved. Wow, big shocker. Big shocker. Noah, let's just dive into the mess, right? We, we want to address the elephant in the room, and this elephant is definitely way too big to be in the room. So uh, let's address it. Celtics dropped two games. First time they've lost two games since February, uh, and they, they chose the worst time to, to do it, and that's in the NBA Finals allowing the Warriors to take a commanding 3-2 lead, series lead over the Celtics. And um, there's a lot of things that you could point at as far as what's kind of going on. But uh, like you said, the turnovers are, are a big issue. And the Warriors have been playing a really good brand of basketball and continuously playing their type of style. And I thought also uh, a good crucial thing on the Warriors side that they did was their adjustments – uh, have been really good and going smaller to start the last two games, which have benefited them uh, in a great way. No, Steve Kerr has been honestly phenomenal. He's made a few huge adjustments here. You know, before I really get into the turnovers, I just got to give credit where credit is due. Okay, the Warriors, you know, we were really excited about playing a less physical basketball team, but physicality does not necessarily mean you're a great defense and a lack of, you know, little bit of a lack of physicality does not mean you're a bad defense. The Warriors are physical enough and they are a very smart defense. And they've really proven that they've made life hard for, you know, Jalen, Jason and Marcus, when they're driving inside, they've closed down the passing lanes. They've stunted and gone back to their men. They've done a lot of really good things to force turnovers. So I do want to give credit where credit is due. The Warriors have played great defense. They're a phenomenal team, but not all of these errors that the Celtics are making are forced errors, okay? A lot of them are still unforced. And when you're playing a team as offensively potent as the Golden State Warriors, you got to take care of the ball. And the Celtics just haven't done that, you know, specifically here in game five, the biggest game of the series thus far. Um, you know, they gave up 19 points off turnovers, Pat, off 22 turnovers. And at the end of the day, you're just never going to win a basketball game that way. I know the listeners, you've heard me say that time after time after time, but especially against a team, an offensive juggernaut like the Golden State Warriors, who can sustain offense without Steph Curry making a three-pointer, as we saw in Game 5. Uh, you just can't turn the ball over like that, man. You know, against a team like Miami, maybe, whose offense stalls pretty heavily in the half court, especially without Tyler Hero. Or a team like, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, who have the greatest player in the world, but don't really have anybody you trust to go get a bucket, um, you know, outside of Giannis, right? You can get away with some turnovers. You can get away with some missed free throws. But 
against the Golden State Warriors, your margin for error is very, very small. And I think that's just pretty much, you know, rearing its head here and showing that if you're going to make those mistakes, if you're going to beat yourself, the Warriors will make sure that uh, the nail gets put in the coffin, basically. Sorry if I rambled a little there, Pat. No, but, I, uh, hey, man, the more more you got to take off, man, take off with it. Um, I think you hit a, a very strong point there, right? And we're talking about how they've done this in the Miami series. They've done this in the Bucks series. And the Warriors are a team that, if you do it against them, they really make you pay worse. And Celtics, are, they're staying consistent with who they are as far as being a turnover team, that being their issue, right? They turn over the basketball a lot. And when they do it, it they've been able to survive at times, but the Warriors are in a team that you're going to be able to get away with that with. So Boston has to find a way to clean it up more. Uh, one thing that I would like to see is I want to see the Marcus Smart we saw take back control throughout like the later end of the Bucks series and also in the Miami series when he played more calmly and through him and he was able to actually run the offense. Uh, I think that the Southers kind of went away from him running the offense in general against the Warriors. And I've seen a lot more of Tatum and Brown initiation of the offense. And as much as I, I want them to initiate at times, I think that them initiating also wears them out throughout the game getting too much usage is not going to be great, you know, throughout a game when you come down to the end and having that energy. So I think Marcus Smart and Derek White are going to need to be way better than they have been in these last two games. They are going to need to be the initiators on offense and try to make things a lot more less complicated for the Jays and everybody else and try to simplify the game and just make the right pass. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be across the court. It could be even just a couple feet, but just start making the right passes and the right reads and just take care of the basketball. Yeah, no, I agree, Pat. I mean, Smart and Derek White, I think, are going to have to do significant initiating here in game six if the Celtics want to extend the series because, like you said, man, Jalen and Jason, okay, I do agree. You know, I do want them initiating sometimes. But at the end of the day, I want those guys getting the, getting the ball in spots and positions which they are able to succeed and get an easy basket in. And uh, it feels like that hasn't been happening a lot. You know, they're attacking switches. You know, they're attacking Steph Curry. They are attacking certain matchups. But I do think that, you know, maybe they're going to run, you know, some more designated sets that Marcus and Derek are initiating and try to get – you know, Jason on a curl or a flare or something like that. Same thing with Jalen, uh, you know, maybe using screens off the ball to get themselves freed up and then, you know, be able to make a read from there. So I'm 100% with you on that, Pat. Um, smart, you know, Smart played, bounced back pretty well. He played well in game five, you know. But once again, I think, you know, Pat, we're going to keep hitting on it, man. The thing that's plaguing everybody is the turnovers. Smart shot well. He defended well. Uh, he didn't necessarily have a lot of assists. I think he only had two or three. But the turnovers, man, it wipes away all your the good shooting that you do if you just are giving away giving away points like in, in fast break in transition, you know. Especially when our half court defense is playing so well, Pat. I mean, the Warriors really are struggling to get terrific offense, you know, at times in the half court. Um, they are just making a killing in the transition, and when you have a team with shooters like Jordan Poole, Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, you have a guy like Otto Porter that can spot up in the corner. Even Gary, Gary Payton II has been, you know, a really good spot up shooter. And you have guys like that 
and players who make the right passes like Steph and Dre, um, you're gonna you're just gonna get killed in transition. So, simply put, if the Celtics don't limit their turnovers, man, if they don't have under 15, there's no way that they are able to force a game seven, in my opinion. So, I think it all boils back down to that for me, man. It's just gotta take care of the ball, and I think you know one way to do that is start your sets with Derek or Marcus initiating. Yeah, and and then another thing that we can look at over these two losses was the the Warriors found a way to win in two different ways, right? Um, we look at game four and we go, okay, Curry had in a crazy he game. Was like he went off, right? Dropped 43. Phenomenal. Curry carried him. They, that was just a game where, like, a superstar wins it, right? He goes out there, has an historic night, and carries him to a win. And then you have game five, and Curry is literally doesn't hit one three-pointer, which snaps a, a streak. I think it was like 230-something games straight of him hitting a one three-pointer. But it snapped the streak of him not hitting one. And the Warriors still find a way to win by double digits. Um, so another thing the Celtics have been struggling with in those two losses, outside of the clear obvious of the turnovers, is going to be the missed free throws. You know, we, we got to talk about how this team just is – getting sometimes to the line to get some easy points. Those easy points haven't seemed so easy. And I don't know what's wrong concentration-wise. Are they tired? I don't know what it is. It's got to be something. But um, going to the the free throw line and and shooting, you know, 60% or 40%, like that's not going to cut it. Like if these NBA finals is all about – a game of inches as we use a football term, right? When you go to the Super Bowl, right, in the NFL, it's about a game of inches. Every inch matters. Well, the same thing matters when you get these free opportunities at the free throw line. Those points really do matter because it, it breaks down the type of possessions you're going to have later in the game, takes around the type of pressure you're going to have. And the Celtics have just done themselves no favors in that regards. It's felt like a lot of times that they're shooting themselves in the foot and not allowing themselves to have the opportunity to stay within a fighting chance grasp of, you know, score. But Celtics need to find a way to be better there and also keeping their composure, man. Um, seeing a lot of the techs coming out right now and watching them react to the refs, trying to get the calls or whatever, man. See how the game's getting called early in the first quarter. Cool. After that, get an idea of how it's going to get played, move on, and play, play around how, the, how it's being called. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I just, to the free throw, you just got to make your free throws. It's a very fundamental thing in basketball. But, you know, you work hard, you get to the line, you got to take advantage of those points, especially when you're losing and the clock is stopped. There's a very advantageous situation to be in at the line shooting free throws when you're down, say, eight with seven minutes left, or even if you're down 14 with a few minutes left in the third. Those are huge because it keeps time on the clock, you know, can extend the comeback, but you're still getting points on the board. You know, Pat, the Celtics are shooting about 73% from the free throw line as opposed to the uh, the, the Warriors shooting about 80 79%. And, you know, 6 7% doesn't seem like that big a difference, but I can spell it out for you a little more clearly here. So Jason Tatum shooting 66% from the free throw line. He's averaging over two missed free throws a game. And then Horford is shooting 556 which is, you know, that's just not good enough. And Al has some chances to get to the line when he gets fouled, matched up on a smaller guy, and they hack him. 
We know Jason's getting fouled inside. You know, he's taking almost six and a half a game. So when you have these chances, you've got to take advantage of them. And they just simply are not doing that. So, you know, I wouldn't say free throws are like why they're losing or like why they're down three, two, but in a close game, just add it to the list. That's all it is. Add it to the list, right? Exactly. 10 point game. Here's how I look at it, right? 10 point game. We lose a hundred one Oh four. Was it one Oh four to 94. Celtics missed 10 free throws. Okay, for me, it's a little unfair to say, well, look, we missed 10 free throws. If we made all 10, that could be the game. So 70% would be a, a, an average say, mark of where you're expecting a team to shoot, right? Oh, right. So no, 7 out of say, 10. Yeah, let, well, let's just say, Pat, let's just say instead of missing 10, the Celtics miss 5, right? So we'll go halfway, okay? Still a 5-point game. Now all you got to do is keep two or three of those turnovers done. You turn the ball over – you turn the ball over 15 instead of 22 times. You know, I feel like that's not asking too much. And then, you know, you miss five free throws instead of 10. Boom. Now you got yourself a good case to win the game. But uh, you know, well, what you if you don't have those two texts, right? Say you have those two texts not happening either. That puts it to a three-point game. And instead of letting them dribble out the clock, you play some defense. You get an opportunity to tie the game. Those texts were trash for me, though. I don't agree with the Marcus Smart technical at all. I, he looked like he was talking to his own teammate. He was kind of jawing, I guess, during the timeout. But, no, I don't – listen, I hear what you're saying, obviously, but I think they were quick to team up. I think that if those guys got a tee for that, how on earth does Draymond not following Jason Tatum for 100 steps to the sideline warrant a technical as taunting? That was wild. Come on, man. Like, come that was on. wild. Yeah, it wasn't just Draymond either. There was two Warriors. Was Gary Gary GP, GP was yeah. doing it too. And I was just like, are they really just going to let this happen? No, that was corny. That was corny behavior by Draymond. I can't lie. But and and Tatum Tatum did a good job though, of just like walking. He just he didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge them. Part of me, see, uh, that is interesting because you know, of course, you know, most people would say, you know, be the bigger man, don't let him do that. But at the same time. I'm not letting anybody little bro me or, or like if I'm in that situation or not if I'm in that situation, but you know, it also feels like in this situation in a highly contested environment, part of me would want Jason, you know, to kind of be like, get the heck away from me, man. Go back to your own bench. Worry about yourself, not me, you know, but at the same time, Jason was the bigger man, the more mature man. So I'm sure what he did was probably right. But part of me did want to see him like, or at least somebody like, you know, step a step up, man. Like you know, in in the older generations of basketball, man, they had the enforcers, right? You know, and I'm not saying I wanted anybody to clean Draymond's clock or do anything that would get them kicked out or suspended, or anything like that. But if you're in my superstar's face, where is the guy on the team saying, "Back the f off"? You know, don't get near my superstar. Where? Who? Who is that? Where is that? I do kind of wish I saw some of that energy in that moment. But at the same time, that also has the, you know, potential to spiral and make things worse with more technicals, you know, making people lose their cool. So I do understand why, you know, maybe that's an aesthetic thing I'm looking for over something of actual substance. But part of me does believe, like, you can't let yourself get, like, punked or, like, treated like a little little guy. You know what I'm saying, Pat? No, I get you. And um, I I actually liked uh, the decision by Jason Tatum to continue walking to the bench and sitting down. Um, Simply the fact was, you know from the beginning of the series what the the memo was, right? Draymond is trying to get in your head mentally. So seeing him unfazed from Draymond's antics means Tatum is like, I'm not worried about you. 
I'm concerned. I need to go sit down and you figure out how we're going to get back into this game. Even if he didn't get back into the game, his focus point was not going to be Draymond. It was, I got to go sit down. He still didn't get Draymond the ball. Like that's what Draymond wanted was the basketball at the end of the day. That's why he followed him. And Tatum said, no, I'm going to keep this basketball. I'm going to go to the bench and sit down and I'm going to, you know, whatever he had to do, he had to do. Like he went about it the right way in my eyes. You can always say he should have done this. If he reacted and never been like, there could have been reports of like Tatum got to be better, stronger mentally. And then you get the stronger oh, mentally comments, blah, blah. There's no way it's a lose, lose scenario. Agreed. But I, I think I, he took the route that has less loss to it. And I think it shows his maturity, the type of focus he had. And I think it, it showed that he cared absolutely. more about the game than what was going on, the antics between Draymond and what he was trying to cause. So I thought he did a good job of just avoiding Draymond's, you know, antics that he just continues to get away with, which is wild because when Marcus Smart was talking about, man, who cares? Like, maybe, maybe basketball has just changed. It's a consistency, right? We I talked about this from the beginning of the series, right? Where I was like, all right, Draymond's getting away with a lot of these antics. Okay. And I, I even stated, I was like, I need Marcus Smart to be more animated. I haven't even felt like Marcus Smart has been to that level, but he still got a tech. And I'm going, Draymond it should get more techs. Let me ask you, Pat. Let me ask you. If this is the 2008 Celtics team and he is walking in Rondo's face and Ray's face, I know in my heart that somebody is getting over there and saying, back the F up, right? And I do think – Maybe that guy should not be Tatum, right? Because I agree with you. He did handle it the mature way, walked away, did not let Draymond boil him down. But to me, I just – I want there to be someone to say – I think that, I think that, somebody did come over from the bench, no? Then somebody come up – they may have that guy in the face kind of, and been like, back the fuck up, but I think they got in between the space. Yeah, they kind of pulled Jason away, right, as opposed right. to putting in Draymond's face. And I feel like that guy is going to be Grant soon enough. But – uh you know, that's really, I mean, I don't want to get, I kind of bogged this down into that narrative a little bit, which I should not have done. But, you know, I just think back to the technicals, like to wrap it up, man, the consistency, Pat, I'm right there with you, man. How the, the leash that Draymond gets when he has a technical is hilarious, man. It is funny. It's, it's like ever since he got that technical, they're like, oh, we can't be as rough on Draymond now. And it's like he's been getting the benefit of the doubt. And now it's like, why are we getting the, the rough? whistle like we've been acting like Draymond the whole series like come on now like it, it was just kind of uh, mind-boggling to me but at the end of the day the Celtics uh have to play better uh offensively and I think me and Lucas can agree on this point is you know execution wise down the stretch you know you can't just disappear you can't go for stretches and we talked about this before the series started it was like the scary part with the Warriors is that those four-minute stretches where the Celtics are really struggling offensively to get it going, that's when the Warriors could just light up 15 points and end up recovering on you know real fast. And uh, the Celtics definitely had had moments where I thought the offense just kind of went MIA for a moment, and the Warriors take advantage in those situations. And they're going to build up that lead. And, and a lead for the Warriors, man, like eight-point lead always feels like a 15. Like it always just feels like double what it is when it comes to the Warriors because they are able to just pile it on so much and so fast. It's just insane. Yeah, you don't have that margin of error playing against a team like the Warriors, and I feel like that's, you know, 
at the end of the day when it boils down to. But, you know, the offense just cannot stall, man, especially in the most crucial moments of the game. You know, in that fourth quarter, we, we really started to turn a, turn a corner, you know, in quarter three. Our offense was doing really well. We were kind of disguising how we were getting Jason the ball, putting in Steph Curry in a lot of actions, you know, moving the ball pretty well. And then it all just went out the window the fourth quarter. And I can't say that I have like a million things to say, you know, like a ton of in-depth analysis. Besides the fact that, you know, the Warriors stepped the hell up and the Celtics, they folded. I mean, they turned it over. They were taking one pass possession shots. You know, they were getting out hustled, it felt like. And, uh, you know, they got outplayed by one Andrew Wiggins. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I, I got to say his name, man. Phenomenal defense. He shot 20, 12 of 23. He was beating the, his man off the dribble, making tough shots, making threes, playing elite defense, rebounding making the right play, man, being there when they needed him to be. So shout out to Andrew Wiggins, man. I got up. I just got to tip my hat to the guy, man. I mean, he played unbelievable. But when your offense cannot go – when it goes five, six possessions stalling, looking ridiculous and giving away points, you're just not going to win no matter how bad Steph Curry's shooting. So I just – the fourth quarter was very, very disappointing for me in game five, Pat. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely – correct on that and also Andrew Wiggins has been playing he's been the second best player for the Warriors and I I said it before the show that I feel like the way Andrew Wiggins has been playing in this series is what the Warriors were hopeful that Clay Thompson could bring to give him that second person boost well they didn't need Clay Thompson to be that boost because Andrew Wiggins has answered the call and and been a really efficient well balanced player throughout the series he kind of gives me um, those Harrison Barnes vibes when Harrison Barnes was on the Warriors when they won those championships and Harrison Barnes with elite athleticism exactly and with with a bit more elite athleticism and, and more consistency and a higher level score so um, it, it's just dangerous man like he he was a number one overall pick for a reason uh, Andrew Wiggins may have bounced on a few teams but it wasn't because of his talent at the end of the day I think it's more so of his fit um <laughs> And 100%. sometimes when you when you put a really talented player in the right situation, it's, they start blooming, and he's in a really good situation. I mean, he he's been terrific. Um, yeah, he's been absolutely terrific. And I think I don't I do want to mention, you know, you mentioned sparks off the bench. I think Jordan Poole was a big spark again, not necessarily in his final stat line, but when the timeliness of his baskets were huge, most notably, you know, that third quarter buzzer beater that he banked in with 0.1 seconds left on the clock. I mean, it was a ridiculous shot, man. And, you know, he's a, he's a ridiculous shot maker. That's who he is. That's what he does, man. And even though he's not playing amazing, if he's still – he scored 14 points in 14 minutes. That's what he's there to do. Okay, he's not there to do more. He's there to put the ball in the bucket, and he did that in a limited amount of time, and, you know, props to him. I think he was making life tough on the Celtics also. You know, uh, as much credit as I'll give him for that that buzzer, right? He definitely did that. I think the person that saved their third quarter was somebody who struggled overall in the ninth, but had a really good third quarter at timely buckets. You want to talk about timely three-pointers? It was Clay Thompson. During that run where the Celtics got took the lead and then they were up like five, Clay Thompson hits a three. Then Marcus Smart comes out, hits a hits like a three to respond, and a couple more possessions later, Clay Thompson hits another three to come within two, 
And then Jordan Poole just topped it off with the the half court to take the one point lead into the fourth quarter. So it, it really was like the Celtics threw their best punch in that third quarter as they climbed back from being down 12 and taking a five point lead at one point just for Clay to kind of calm them down for a moment and keep the Warriors right there. And then Jordan Poole kind of took that momentum from Clay and gets the Warriors the lead heading into the fourth. And the, and the Warriors really never looked back from there. Yeah, man, they really didn't. I mean, it felt like everything that went right in the third quarter, you know, and everything went wrong in the fourth quarter. And I don't know how much like, we got to rehash all that just because everybody listening was watching. They know exactly what the case is. It's the turnovers, the missed free throws, the lack of execution offensively. And just to bring it back to Wiggins here, I mean, when you're paying Steph all that attention, and rightfully so, you know, the Celtics were defending him wonderfully. They really were. You saw him shoot poorly. He missed a couple open ones, okay, but they defended him very well throughout the game. But that leaves in Wiggins in a lot of weak side, one-on-one situations. And he has the athleticism to say to some guys, like figuratively say, too big, too long, too fast, too strong. I'm going to go by you. I'm going to make this running push shot. I'm going to make this running hook shot. I'm going to make this layup. I'm going to make this huge dunk over you, Derek White. Okay. He just was able to do that. And the Celtics have got to take staying in front of their man more personally. And if they can't do that, you know, I know defense is not the crux issue, but if you're giving Wiggins that many opportunities, that many shots, and, you know, that close to the hoop and and things of that nature, man, it's going to be just tough to beat the Warriors. I mean – I don't know what else there is to say about that. I mean, if he's just too big, too strong, too fast, too long, sometimes you got to go down like that, man, and, you know, just figure out what the what the move is. But I don't think we're going down. I don't think we're going outside, at least not tomorrow night uh, in game six in Boston, Pat. I, I can't believe it. We've, we've barely lost two in a row since February. This is our first time since January. I don't think we're going to lose three in a row. I think the series is not over. I think that it's a very long and rigorous climb to make it to the top here over these last two games. But I think we can do it. And I'll tell you what right now, Pat, before the series, I said on this very podcast, I said, my head is telling me Warriors in six and my heart is telling me Celtics in seven, right? Well, my mind and my heart are clashing at this very game, Thursday night, game six, okay, if the Celtics win game six, that's a step towards my uh, my heart's prediction. But if things don't go according to plan, you know, at the same time, it was never unreasonable to see the Warriors winning this game or winning this series. You know, they're a dominant team, one of the most dominant teams in professional sports over the last 10 years, you know, this Warriors dynasty. So I'm not saying it's over, but if the next time we talk to you is a postseason edition, I just want everybody to know that there is no shame in losing. It is obviously disappointing, and you can be upset. I'll be upset considering I'll have to watch the Warriors lift the trophy if the Warriors win game six, okay? But there's no shame in getting to the finals with a 24-year-old as your best player, a young core. They battled. They got over the Eastern Conference finals hump. And uh, However, I think we can push it to at least a game seven if the next time we're talking, you know, is, like I said, an off-season edition, man. Just know that I will not be ashamed or disappointed of this team for losing the series. You know, I might be, it might be a little upsetting because you want your team to win and nothing is promised, right? In professional sports, you never know. 
uh, there might be a, a lockout coming with the new CBA. Okay. We might not have basketball next year regularly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just want to know that I'm, I'm very proud of this team, all they've been able to accomplish, how many people they've proved wrong, including me. Um, you know, all the doubt they faced to just turn it around, flip it around from 23 and 24, 18 and 21 to a sixth game in the NBA finals. These guys deserve all the props in the world, you know, win or lose, man. So I just had to say my little piece there, Pat, but I kind of let the cat off the bag. I got the Celtics winning game six. Yeah, you you, uh, you definitely jumped right into the the game six. Uh, you got Boston winning that one. Um, I'm gonna save mine just because I got more shit to say. Um, Want to talk about game five, Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum in general. So I am just here to say that he he was really good in game five, really good. Um, at the end of the fourth quarter, he he fades off. He ended up playing every minute into that second half. He looked exhausted, was definitely worn out. So seeing that the the Celtics, you know, he he kept them in that game. He made some really tough shots throughout the third. It was a big part of why the Celtics were able to bring it in. Uh, Jalen finally had his dud game. I think we were both expecting it to happen at some point. It's unfortunate that it had to happen then. But Jalen did not play great. Uh, Jason, on the other hand, has has actually been playing really well throughout the series. He is averaging twenty two seven and seven. He's the tenth player to average those lines or better in the NBA Finals, and the youngest to ever average that. So he is doing something special. All while he's not shooting the best from the field. So the one thing that you can kind of pinpoint him on that is is he's not shooting well from the field. And definitely his turnovers have not been great either. However, if you compare his turnovers, he has the most turnovers in a playoff run since Dwayne Wade back in 06, who had 90, and Tatum has 96. So just to kind of put it in, in perspective, um, not saying he's Dwayne Wade or anything now, so don't mix my words, but you know, Dwayne Wade was able to overcome those 90 turnovers in the playoffs and and bring a, a championship. What? I said with the help of Tim Donahue, let's not forget. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Listen, my thing, Pat, is I'm not going to disagree with you. I think Jason Tatum has played well. Okay, but to the standard Jason has set for himself, that you and me and other media members, you know, who have watched him be as good as he can be, I don't think it's a crime to say he's not playing his best or that he needs to play better. Jason Tatum would tell you that he's not playing well. And I think he's got, I don't think he's been playing his best. And I don't think he's been playing super well, you know, relative to how good he can really be. And like I said earlier, you know, you got to give credit to two way wigs, Andrew Wiggins, you know, he was the all-star starter for a reason, elite defender, you know, and he's been pretty good on Jason the last couple of years too. You know, that was something we mentioned at the top of the, at the top of the series, but you know, like it or not, man, Jason has not played his best. And although he's played well, he could play much, much better. And now I don't think that means I should hump uh, like lump majority of the blame onto him or anything like that. But I do think it's fair to say that he should play better. And I think Pat, you know what? In Game Six, we're gonna need him to play better. And uh, Pat, you just want to guess my, our guy Jason Tatum's counting stats in Game Sixes? He has played in 
six game sixes in his career. Can you guess his points, rebounds, assists, and field goal percentages? Just I know you're not going to be able to get an exact. I'll, I'll just throw numbers out there to to speed it along. Throw them out there. Um, we're going to go thirty three points per game. Okay, a little high. Um, we're going to say nine rebounds, and we're going to okay. say six assists on forty nine percent from the field. Okay, so you saw, you're somehow going to make game six Jason Tatum seem like a bad player because you guessed higher. Okay, but his averages are 28 <laughs> points. Okay. He's averaging 28 points, eight rebounds, six assists on 40. He actually guessed pretty well. 48% from the field and 43% from three. And now I know all the talk's going to be about game six Clay. And listen, I'm worried about game six Clay as much as everyone else because we know that guy's a flamethrower. But it's not 2015, okay? I'm sorry. So I don't think we're going to get the 60 points with three dribbles, Clay Thompson. But, you know, we might see some good Clay. My thing is that uh, really got to focus on game six, Jason. You know, that's pretty much how we're going to be able to survive. I need a legacy game from Jason Tatum and a legacy game from uh, Adam Silver as well. <laughs> that was a joke, but not really. Scott Foster to the rescue. Yeah, you know, uh, as well as with, you know, like we talked about Jason Tatum, um, in game sixes, uh, don't you also have the numbers for him in elimination games? Because I believe this is an elimination game. Or, or did you not have those numbers? No, I got those numbers right here. So they're pretty similar, Pat. Okay. 27, uh, 27 points, eight rebounds, six assists. And this is in 10 games as opposed to six. He's shooting 43 from the field and 41 from three. So, you know, 27, eight, and six, those are pretty phenomenal averages. I'm looking for him to... I think he's probably going to have to be in 30-plus, man, if we want to win. I mean, I know – So he's going to have to be better than his game six and his elimination averages. I think so. And, you know, most times this is kind of a narrative that I do fight against. Like I think the Celtics, you know, can win games when it's equally all around. But, man, the Warriors are going to be scrapping because they know, you know, they know as well as anyone nothing is promised. You know, this – Blood's in the water right now, and they're trying to finish the kill. Exactly. They're great whites. Exactly. They smell the blood. They're in for the attack. You know, and the Celtics have their back up against the wall. And we've seen multiple times before Celtics back up against the wall. They play their best. So I'm counting on that for a game six win. But I'd be lying to everybody if I told them I felt good about winning the series. Because even though I think, you know, we can get game six, push it to a game seven. Surviving one kill shot from Steph Curry and the Warriors is a lot in an elimination game. Surviving two is almost impossible. So I'm a hopeful. I think we can extend it another game and then give ourselves a shot in game seven. But I just do need everybody who's listening to know, you know, I'm not like, I'm not jumping for joy right now about the situation. No, I don't, I don't think any Celtics fan is jumping for joy being down 3-2 <laughs> right now. I'm doing cartwheels um, right now, Pat. <laughs> a number, uh, another person of the topic that I, I briefly brought up was Jalen Brown and the way that he performed in, in Game 5. And it's, it's hard to see him shrink during that game. And I think the thing that made it toughest is that he's been so good throughout the series – to that point that that one game, all it takes is one game and it really just kind of messes with you. And I'm hoping that Jalen is able to like refine his Zen because he really was good playing on the road 
against the Warriors. Like that was his place, right? We're like, oh, cow guy. He likes playing in San Francisco. Like that's his spot. And then he kind of just didn't show up. He was really not non-existent, not a really big factor in that game. We are going to need Jalen Brown to be better. If we get another Jalen Brown game like that, even if Jason Tatum goes super sane mode, man, it's it's going to be a hard night for the Celtics to get a win. Absolutely. You need contributions across the board here to beat a team as, as good as the Warriors. Um, yeah, Jason can't do it alone. You know, it's a team game. I would say, though, I would rather see a nice, like a 16, 18-point game from Jalen where he has, you know, a 5-2 to two assist to turnover ratio. Like that is okay with me as well. That qualifies as a good game. I don't need. I don't think Jalen has to go for thirty in order, or like twenty-seven for me to be like, oh my god, like yo, he played a good game. No, eighteen on efficient shooting. Yo, you don't shoot too much. Okay, you take care of the ball. You find your guys in situations. You play under control. You play good defense. That can qualify as a good game for me too. So I think if we get a good game from Jalen, it'll make it that much easier. Now, obviously, you want more than 18 points from Jalen, just given how sluggish our offense has been, you know, a lot of the times. Uh, but I think, you know, it's on other guys to step up offensively as well. Can't be all on the Jays. I think they carry the biggest burdens. That's not a shocker to anyone. You know, Jason, to me, carries the biggest. Jalen. And then you gotta you got to get some production from guys like Al Horford, Derek White, Marcus Smart. And God forbid, Grant Williams needs to make a couple of threes you know, in order to stay himself on the court because we've seen that Pritchard really isn't maybe the answer that initially we thought he could be for our offense, you know, down the stretch. You, you want to know a, a crazy thing from game five as well, Lucas? How many, how many minutes do you think Grant Williams and Derek White played combined and how many points do you think they had combined? They had one point. They had combined. four points combined. And a total of 37 minutes played. What was Grant, like 13 or 14? Um, Grant was 16 minutes. Derek White was 21. And here's the crazy part. Aaron Neesmith and Luke Cornett had a total of two minutes combined and six points. I don't even count. I don't, I don't listen. Hey, hey, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. And never bring up Luke Cornett's name again. During that's all I want to say, though. In one minute... In one minute of non-serious basketball, non-serious or not, is it, my thing at the end of the day. One minute, uh, two total minutes. These guys got six points. You're giving, you know, guys who are supposed to be contributors. You're in the NBA Finals. You're getting more than ten minutes. You're definitely being relied on for something. Twenty. You had 37 minutes in total, and well, you I only gave me four this, points. Four points from the bench is unacceptable. Oh, they should have scored more. They should have scored more, no doubt. But I just cannot compare it to the garbage time buckets. I just can't do it. My but, thing is just to put in perspective, right? It's no, just more so fair. like four that's points fair. is so terrible in the amount of time that you had to score. Like you had 35 more minutes. I don't care. Well, If you told me right now, it was like, hey, man. Two two scrubs are going to get a minute each in garbage time, or you get thirty seven minutes of really hard basketball from your your sixth and seventh guy off the bench. No, it's not. You're a good expecting thing. that sixth and seventh guy to have so much more points than oh. the other guys, even in of garbage course. time. So that's of the course. kind of the perspective of here. Is like 
The Celtics needed that. Smart shooting, 7 of 15. Great. Robert Williams, 4 of 5. Great. How Horford, he didn't shoot a lot. Six shots, but he made half of them. Three. Cool. Great. Two of three from deep. Cool. Great. Jason Tatum, 10 of 20. Cool. Great. You're looking at that lineup outside of Jalen Brown. The starting five kind of showed up. They showed up. Everybody showed up, but Jalen Brown didn't shoot well, and the bench gave you nothing. You can't beat a Golden State Warriors team with four guys. You need at least like six guys because the Warriors are going to have like six guys who are helping them win. So that's my point to that that type of um, thing is like when you got the Warriors who have you know Gary Payton coming in having fifteen points, Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole with fourteen. That's twenty nine points to the Celtics four. On, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I know. And, 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 and Gary Payton the second knocked down a spot of threes, and he's a terrific, terrific cutter. Okay, and that is really bodes well for how he plays off of guys like Draymond and Steph and the actions within, that involve Clay. And Poole can create a shot better than – it's not even a close, dude. He can create a shot so much better than anyone on the Celtics bench, right? So they get a little punch. You know, we don't have as big a punch on the bench. Derek White, he's going to have to score more. And Grant, who can barely get his shot off right now, is going to have to knock down some threes. You know, my thing, Pat, I don't know if – I don't even remember if I said this on a podcast. I know I said it off air to a bunch of people, but I was saying that something the Celtics might have to try is going uber small. Uber small when they can. In the last three minutes of the game when they were down 12, Eme actually put out the lineup that I was suggesting. Now, I don't know if that – is actually, you know, an indicator of anything, or maybe he just wanted to test it out. You know, it didn't go super well. I've got to admit, you know, in those three minutes, the game was kind of already out of hand though, but it's smart white Jalen, Jason and Grant Williams as our five going super small. So I wonder if that's something Ime rolls out when the warriors, you know, are going small or if, you know, Kavan is in there as they're big and, you know, Draymond's not in there maybe to try and play him off the floor. I don't know. But that's definitely a wrinkle I think the Celtics should try because you are going to have to try some other things here in game six in order to get the win. You know, I think the Warriors have done a really good job stunting and recovering on their help defense. I think their help defense has been phenomenal. And the Celtics have to try something at least a little bit different here. So we'll see. But, Pat, I need your prediction for game six, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. It's time. All right. It's it's going to be a big response, uh, like response to this question because I have to go into my reasoning behind it. And Celtics fans, bear bear with me, okay? The thing that I've seen the Celtics do these past two games, and it's something that we've seen before. We've we've watched the the Miami series, we watched the Bucks series, we've seen the Celtics wear out their opponents and get gassed. What I'm seeing from the Celtics now is they're the ones that are gassed. They played with their food too much in the other series by not shortening those time periods, not getting a, you know, finishing in six or five games when they probably could have. And the opportunity that they missed out there is now catching up to bite them. You can only do things so much before you get bit. The Celtics keep choosing the hardest route. The team is looking fatigued. I do not see the Celtics winning game six. I think the series is done. And the big part of it is because I think the energy has officially ran out of the tank. 
you're talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown having the most minutes played in the playoffs right now, and it's not even close to anybody else on the Warriors. You just watched last game where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown hit 44 minutes. Tatum didn't sit at all the whole second half. We watched him in the fourth quarter get some open jumpers, airballing it, just totally gassed out of out of everything in the tank. These guys are exhausted, and the Warriors are able to sit a guy like Curry for, you know, plenty of minutes throughout that last game. He only played 37 minutes. So getting 11 minutes of, of rest, almost a whole quarter throughout a game is insane. The the Warriors are just have a little bit left more in the tank and whether that's because of their road or not, who knows, but they came out and they're playing with a lot better energy. They may not have the physicality, but they are making the Celtics still work really, really hard to get shots and it's been wearing them out throughout a game. And the Celtics have slowly, slowly, slowly as the series progresses, getting worse and worse. And their fatigue has been the thing I've noticed the most along with their body language of them just being exhausted and tired. Whether people are, are unhappy with that take or not, it's just an observation. I could be wrong. Maybe they're not tired. Maybe oh, it's well, just a turnover situation, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I got the Warriors winning game six um, at the TD Garden. No, they're very clear. I mean, listen, the Celtics are very clearly fatigued. But my thing is, though, is like you're always going to be fatigued at game six of the NBA Finals, right? No matter the road you take. And we are spring chickens compared to the uh, guys on the other side. They have a lot more minutes, man, a lot more games under their belt in their lifetimes than our team does, with the exception of Al Horford. So, listen, everybody's going to be gassed. I'm not saying – that the Celtics are not fatigued, maybe a little extra fatigued from back-to-back games, seven-game series. You know, I think there's credence to that. But I think that if you if you can't rise above that, overcome that, you know, you're either looking at a conditioning problem or, you know, you're just going to lose. I don't know. I just think that's part of the game. That's part of basketball. That's part of a deep playoff run. And I think that the Celtics have got to overcome that if they want to win. And I see them doing that in game six, you know, and then basically get a toss-up 50-50 game seven. Hopefully the Celtics can squeeze out game six, you know, so I don't have to watch the Warriors lift up the trophy in front of my own uh, my own two eyes. I'll be down tremendous if that happens, Pat. So I hope you're wrong, actually. <laughs> I, hope you're, I hope you're dead wrong. I, I, I want to make it clear I hope I'm wrong, too. I hope you're dead uh, wrong. I really and, do. You know, I hope we at least extend it to seven. Like I said, if not, man, I'll shout to the guys, Boston Celtics, man, the coaching staff, the players, man, everybody, you know, they did their part this man. And I, I cannot say it enough, man. What they did this season was not normal. Going from a below average team to one of the two best teams in basketball, you know, in the same season, that's not normal. I got to give the guys props. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to live to see another day, Pat. So, you know, hopefully we'll be back here tomorrow night, Friday night. Talking about what we can do to win game seven, man. I hope so. I don't want to be talking about free agency trades and drafts just yet. As much as I love that stuff, not yet, Pat. Not yet. No, absolutely. And I'm not here to like rain on any type of parade or anything. It's strictly of an observation. And I've been wrong before many of times, just like every person is. And I was wrong in the Buck series. So I'm hoping that maybe I'm wrong here. But at the same time, you know, I have my opinion and, and that's where it came from. Um, as well as, you know, a thing with the fatigue I wanted to touch on here with you, especially Lucas, is how much of, you know, controlling these minutes, as we each talked about, 44 minutes for Jalen and Jason last game, how much of that is on Ime 
needing to try to needing to try to find just a little bit more more breathing room for these guys because I mean not sitting Tatum the whole second half that that was wild. Not, see, I, I can't. I, I, I give very little slack to Eme. I mean, I mean, uh, very little like. Uh, I can't discredit him for that because Patrick, if we were losing these games and Jason is playing 38 minutes, you know, people are going to be out here saying how much is it on email that he didn't play Jason four or five extra minutes. It's the finals. So I can't get on him for that. I don't think we have a terribly deep bench to where it allows him to do that. Maybe a few more grant minutes, maybe a few more Pritchard minutes, but dude, three minutes of Peyton Pritchard and no Jason Tatum. That's a long three minutes, right? So my thing is, I don't get on email at all for that, man. I really don't. Like, okay, maybe there's a couple adjustments he can make here, get 45 seconds to a minute and a half of rest for them. But two minutes of Neesmith. No, I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. It's, he, he sounds so much better than it is every time. That's what I'm saying. Are you going to take Jason Tatum off the floor to play Aaron Neesmith? If that goes poorly, yeah, Emei's getting roasted. Okay. So, listen, I don't really blame email. How about you, though? I don't – because I don't. I really don't. I mean, my, my blame scale is definitely not high, right? It's definitely not high. But I, I do think that, like, trying to find a way to get more creative with it is going to be important because, like we, we talked about, right, like we you have to look at game five and you see Tatum in the fourth quarter, like how how good is he out there if he's – airballing wide open looks at that point like is like i mean sometimes you'd rather have somebody in there for two minutes while he's getting a rest and then maybe he's he has a little bit more left in in the tank later on in the game and and the person out there's not airballing because they're not you know completely tired from not getting a rest so uh, in my eyes sometimes you just gotta the risky things sometimes that make people scratch their head. Like you're watching the Warriors, you know, play uh, – what was his name? I don't know why his name's based in my head. The big man that keeps getting minutes. Belitza. Belitza. Belitza, yeah. Okay. So, you, I mean, a lot of people could be scratching their head about him getting minutes. But if you notice, the Warriors are willing to do crazy tweaks, but, and it's working dude. out. It's working out. But see, Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes than- it does. That's my thing. No, it's sometimes but that's, it does. But it's a different scenario. It's like, bro, if we had Bielitsa instead of Tice, I'd be okay with it. But we don't, man. We we don't. We don't have a, as deep a bench as them. We just don't, man. It's easier for a team with a deeper bench to sacrifice minutes for their stars. Unfortunately, we go seven and a half guys deep, pretty much. So, just the, I, I don't know, man. I just can't put it on email. I don't think it's the same situation as the Warriors. I don't. I just know that people would be getting on email if we were losing and Jason wasn't playing 40 minutes. I just know for a fact that he's catching flack for not playing the stars enough. So listen, I don't, you can have that. You can have that you know, opinion. If you want to see more Tice. Okay. If you want to see more Pritchard, dude, be my guest. I'm rocking with Jason Tatum every time over the, oh, over the end of the bench guys. Every, every time, man. I I just, I want Tatum to have, more energy like I, I mean like even if like if he plays 44 minutes why is all of his rest coming in the first half why didn't we get it some of it no that's a debate that i'm willing to have 100 percent. maybe you give like, up those minutes differently yeah because my because what are you thinking Eric? this is where you think about it remember um how the game started and he may pulled tatum pretty early 
and that was that was three minutes. So you're talking about he pulled him when he wasn't even tired. It was like four minutes into the game. You pull him for three minutes, and then the rest of the game you're giving him one minute. I don't, I don't know. Does that sound like a ideal way to get your your star rest throughout a game? Because to me that that sounds like you're setting that up to to fatigue out. Like you're trying to burn him out. Like we're not Tom Thibodeau right now. We're not the Miami Heat. He's not Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler could play 47 minutes and somehow his body's able to to will his way there. Some players so, can do that, and I don't yeah, know. Like I said, Tatum no, is that guy to do that issue. right now. No, then it's a conditioning issue. Because if you're a superstar in the league, if you're a top five superstar, like you would say, you got to be able to play 44, 45 minutes and still be good. Then it's a conditioning issue. That's simply what it is. If, if, he, needs, if he needs to only play 40 minutes to be effective at the end of games, then to me that's as simple as a conditioning issue. You know, I can get behind maybe divvying up the minutes differently. Okay, maybe you give him a, a couple minutes, two minutes in the first. Okay, and then he plays the entire second, and then you give him – you know, a couple minutes in the third and a minute to start the fourth. Okay, I can get behind that. But to give him more significant time off the floor, I don't know. If the, I don't think that's the answer, man, personally. So managing it, though, in general. like you, So would you say that game five, his minutes were managed in a way that you would have liked it? I think that Ime knew what he was doing, and I, I think that – I'm not necessarily sure I would have changed, you know, a ton of, of what Ime did. I, I, I'm not saying I would have done it the exact same way because, listen, Ime is a lot more qualified and, you, you know, to do this than I am, right? So I can't say – I definitely for sure cannot say I would have done anything better than him. But I can also not say that I would have done anything entirely different either. I think getting him rest in the, in the game early is, is not the worst thing ever. But at the same time, I would like to see him, you know, maybe get the first minute or two of that fourth quarter on the bench there. So I hear, I hear you for sure. Yeah, and and that's just kind of where I, I guess I stand on it. So I don't give a whole bunch of you know blame to Ime, but when you're losing and stuff like that, the blame it, it gets spread around, and Ime does get some blame. It, I mean, you have to like it's not Ime is not immune to any type of faults. You know, he can make mistakes. And that's fine. And I think that's a part of the learning curve for him as a first-year coach as well. Yeah, I just, I just don't know where the minutes come from specifically. I mean, what, so if you want Jason to play 38 minutes, we need to find six, six uh, more I minutes. Was thinking, I was thinking I like Jason, I like Jason more around 41-42, if I'm being honest. So then what you give uh, – I mean, you can't give Al any more minutes than he played, man. He was one of our worst players. Grant can't get a shot off. Pritchard food. I just it's it's tough to find those minutes, man. It's a lot. I feel like it's a lot easier, you know, sitting up here to say, okay, here's where we'll find those minutes. It's a lot harder in the game, man, because you see our offense is bad enough with Jason on the court. I don't like what our offense looks like without Jason. So, personally, for me, I'm living with it. And if he can't play 44 minutes, man, you know that's just how our bench is set up. That's how our roster set up right now. So. I mean, listen, Ime is, like you said, not without fault, and he could have done things better, no question. But I just don't know if getting on him for paying for playing Jason, you know, too many minutes is necessarily where I would, where I would say he's he's making a mistake. 
Okay. Hey, maybe that's just. Oh, agree to disagree. Yeah, listen, listen, Pat. We don't disagree <laughs> often, so it's funny when we disagree on this. Show. No, it is. No, it's fine. Uh, that's that's going to be the area where I kind of I lean though. Um, do you have anything else to kind of add before we prep ourselves for possibly the the end of the season, but also the last game at the TD Garden? Uh, anything else? You know, I think I got my piece out. You know, just shouting out the guys, man. The turnaround they had was unbelievable this year. Ime, winner Lewis has been a phenomenal one of the probably for my money one of the best first year coaches in sports history. Okay, now you can tell me if I have my green team or goggles on for that, but I don't think that's crazy. I'm lucky to have him as a part of the organization, and you know, shout out Brad Stevens for helping us get in this position, man. So listen, Pat, I hope I'm once again rubbing in your face that you doubted the Celtics when their back was up against the wall, and we live to see another day. But I also understand that. You're not just saying that to say it. There should be some legitimate concern that our season is over tomorrow night, but I'm riding with the guys, man, with our backs up against the wall. They've proven to me time and time again they're a good team, so let's see it. Yes, sir. Again, thank you guys so much for coming on to the Spotify Live app and checking out the show live. If you are here in the audience, we appreciate the support. Also, make sure that you guys head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, find Sports Ethos Celtics, podcast give us a five-star rating and review we really do appreciate it we love the love man we reciprocate it back we appreciate you guys so much that's why we do these shows for you guys they're not just for us to come up here and just talk and and ramble on about the celtics you can also find us on twitter at ball and opinions and lucas at luca underscore gainer and then you can also find the show on twitter at ethos celtics and make sure you guys go ahead and give us all a follow as well um, Lucas, did you have anything else to let these guys know? No, just echo that sentiment. You know, this has been the last episode of our basketball season, man. Shout out to everybody who was listening along, following us. I really appreciate every single listener, um, whether you're live, whether you download, whether you're from sportsethos.com listening through that way. Really appreciate every single one of y'all. You know, rate and review if you could. We appreciate feedback. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, like Pat said. DM us questions. Whatever you need, man, we're here to help. Uh, whether it's basketball or not, man, you know, Pat and ours DMs are always open for people who need to talk. And just thanks for being a part of this, man. It's been really fun. This is my first season. You know, Pat, you covered last season. This is my first full season covering the team. Uh, you know, definitely a different vibe. Yes, sir. You know, being just a fan, you know, maybe it took me a little while to, you know, adjust my perspective accordingly from the beginning of the year. But uh, I feel really good about our coverage now, man. And, uh, Hopefully we're back here with the game seven preview on Friday night. So pretty sure that's all from me, Pat. Yes, sir. Thank you guys again so much for stopping by. Let's go Celtics, baby. Yes, sir. The Celtics are the balls.